Tonight, on Cooking with Evan, we chop through the finest cuts of fresh meat the world has ever tasted. Just the right amount of spice and seasonings will make your mouth water as you imagine taking each delicious morsel down. I'm talking about kneecap ravioli, big toe tamales, back fat stew, balsac fondue and eyelids over easy. So, if you haven't puked by now, you should probably grab a bucket because this episode is all about cannibals. That's right. Fucked up, disgusting, eat your dog when you're hungry cannibals. So get to a safe puking space. Grab a bucket and towel and turn the volume to 11. Warning. Listener discretion is advised. We say things like, Margot Kidder was a shitty and ugly Lois Lane. And, why does fruity pebbles, fruit loops, and crunch berries make your poop green when it's all fruit? And, my version of hell is kind of like being stuck in the Chuck E. Cheese ball pit with no way to get out. Well, what if God was one of us playing on replay until I tire out and suffocate from trying to get out? All aboard. Hello, passengers. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 12 of the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. What's that mean? Well, we make fun of and joke about creepy shit while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. And with me, as always, is the man who once sent a mogwai as a gift with explicit instructions to feed it after midnight and give it a nice warm bath. It's Jeff Butchko. Very nice. I like that reference. You like that one? I do. Yeah. So I got to get some off my chest. Uh-oh. Already? Here's the thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. This is really stewing my marbles. Okay. So driving here on the highway. Life is a highway, by the way. <laughs> it is for sure. <laughs> we have to stop, people. We have to stop putting fucking stickers on our back windshields. Like, we're over it. It's done. Stop doing it. Too okay. much. I got behind this guy in like a Kia SUV and the back windshield from it's got to be like three foot wide says baseball life. And it's got a like an image, a silhouette of a baseball player swinging a bat. So okay. I'm assuming his kids a baseball player. They're hardcore. They probably travel and play. He baseball. likes baseball. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Yeah. OK. And then underneath that is lab dad. It's got a silhouette of a lab dog. Oh, boy. People are so proud. I'm like of that. this dude has one too many stickers, first of all, on yeah. his car. Yeah. I'm just over it. And like the salt life, I got news for you. You don't live the salt life if you live in fucking Ohio. <laughs> you're, okay. You're trying. So let's just. You're trying. Can we just stop with the stickers on the windows? Do you have any stickers on yours? Fuck no. Okay. I do. What do you have? I have uh, uh, an FAC sticker, which stands for the Friday Afternoon Club for uh, a bunch of um, guys that come in on Friday but nights. But is it like a little, it's a little oval, right? A little oval. One, yeah, yeah. It's not across the entire goddamn windshield. Like, you know, the stick figure family that. Goes no, for fucking ever with no. the dog and the cat. Don't have I that. We have three children, a husband, and two cats <laughs> and a dog, and we like to have fun. Salt life. Yeah, I, I've got that one. I've got a uh, Decepticon, um, in, in on my back window, and uh, I'm okay with the nerdy stuff. Yeah. Like I see a lot of Star Wars ones and and shit like that. And like my <laughs> one of the best ones I've ever seen is the stick figure family, but it's all different machine guns. <laughs> like it's all different like kinds of guns. That's pretty hilarious. Like that stuff's funny, but enough with like chalk 
You know, like you don't go to Mally's every day, so you don't need a sticker on your goddamn car. <laughs> the chocolate if one. If you do, your car wouldn't, you wouldn't fit in your car. You know, like, come on, let's just, let's just stop. Do you think stickers? Do people get like, uh, like if they, you know how like some radio stations, if it, someone calls in and sees your car with that sticker on there and they have a, um, they give your license plate number or whatever, you win something. Do you think they do that with Mally's? And for listeners out there that don't know maybe what Mally's is, I'm pretty sure Mally's is, no, that's a Cleveland thing. Isn't yeah, it? I think it's a Ohio franchise. It's just a, it's a chocolate company. It's really good. Like really good. It's chocolate. good chocolate. Yeah. It is yeah. not, not good enough to put a sticker on my back. No, window. yeah, no. And salt life in Ohio. Like <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? We all like to go to South Carolina and Florida for vacation. It right. doesn't mean it justifies a salt life sticker on the back of our windshield. You know, yeah, I see that. Oh my I see God, that. I love the salt life. It's like somebody that went and like, you know, hang gliding one time and now it's like hang gliding life, <laughs> bro. You know, he's got the silhouette <laughs> of the hang glide. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. let's just stop with the stickers. I had to get that off my chest. All right. You okay. feel better? I do. It's going to be a great episode. It is going to be a great episode. Um, Moody, Mr. Moody, who I'll just give him his applause now. Is actually going to be calling you in later. He's uh, he's babysitting. He's babysitting. He's uh, doing the dad thing. So kudos to him for being a dad and unfortunately not able to make it. So you guys can send all hate mail to <laughs> Mr. Moody at the Midnight Train Pod. No, I'm just kidding. He's doing his thing. So uh, he'll be calling in later. So you beautiful bunch of dark passengers know that we are just three goofballs and assholes that love history and can't get enough of the mysterious. We want you all to know how much it means to us that you're listening to our goofy asses right now. Your reviews and support really do make all the hard work worthwhile. And saying that, please stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. It does help uh, for some fucking reason, their algorithms or whatever it is. Um, but as you may Seems lazy, doesn't it? Yeah. Seems What's like that? the people at Apple just got lazy. They're like, well, fuck it. We'll just have an algorithm. Who cares what it says or how many stars it is that will that will just place everything. Well, no, they care about stars, but that's all they care about. But the, the comments, they don't. The comments, they don't give a shit about yeah, it. That seems lazy to yeah, me. You can, you know? As long as you're given five stars, they don't care if you're like, this is the worst fucking podcast ever. As long as you get five stars, yeah. that's all they care about. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. You can also find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio by typing the Midnight Train Podcast in their search bar and clicking the follow button. You'll then get each episode as they are released. And uh, Patreon subscribers, our amazing producers out there, will be getting a The Day the Music Died bonus uh, on Pantera Pantera guitarist Dimebag Daryl Pantera. <laughs> I heard there was a sweet rendition of one of their songs on one of our episodes. Yeah, I heard that. That was it was pretty yeah, good. It was yeah. pretty good. Um, <laughs> I forget what it was. It was the Texas episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So you guys can sign up for that over at uh, patreon.com forward slash The Midnight Train Podcast. And check that out. All right. So, Jeff, it's just you and I right now, buddy. I know. I know. It's kind of crazy. So, let's uh, turn down the lights. Not to sound weird. Should we light a candle? (laughs) Get some romantic music going. (laughs) Adjust our seats. Grab a drink. And let's get spooky. But first, here's a toast to all of you beautiful motherfuckers. And for those people out there that may not know who that is, that's actually a band called the Fine Young Cannibals. Why is that? Because we're actually talking about... <sighs> okay, now let me preface. I posted something either yesterday or the day before where I'm like, you know what, Halloween season is among us and we're getting close yes. and we wanted to take it up a notch. 
And, you know, and I just put, you've been warned. And we are, we are for this whole Halloween season and fuck it, it's starting now. It's, listen, it's 60 some or 50 some degrees outside, 40 yeah. degrees outside. Leaves are changing. You know, pumpkin spice is fucking spooky. everywhere. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're going to start getting dark on stuff. And today we're starting that with fucking cannibalism and cannibals. Yum, yum, yum. Now we touched on this um, back in um, when we did our, uh, the Thanksgiving episode. Remember that when we had everybody sit around and yeah. we, we discussed Thanksgiving and what basically it all was. And we actually brought food in and we all ate together. You remember that? Yes. Last, last year. And we touched on the cannibals a little bit. Um, but we didn't, we didn't want to get too dark on that. Yeah, because we were eating at the time. Right, too, so. correct. If you guys are eating out there, you probably want to pause it and wait till you're done. Yeah, I would definitely do that and listen to this episode when you're not worried about consumption of human meat. Yeah. But get the kids, gather the kids around. They need to learn this stuff and know it, you know, so let them hear. All right. So cannibalism is the act of consuming another individual of the same species as food. Cannibalism is a common ecological interaction in the animal kingdom and has been recorded in more than 1,500 species. Human cannibalism is well documented both in ancient and recent times. Okay. So this is something in the animal kingdom, a lot of animals eat their own. Happens a lot. Yeah. It does. And it's not something that we really condone as human beings, but it does happen. So it's fairly common in the animal world, like I said, but you know us, uh, we're not Wild Kingdom here. We're the fucking Midnight Train, and we're going straight for human cannibalism. So without further ado, here we go. As per the usual, we're going to hit you with some of the, the knowledge and the you know information stuff first, and then get into the, the fucked up shit later. So the word cannibalism is derived from cannibalis, the Spanish name for uh, the Caribs, a West Indies tribe that may have practiced cannibalism. Uh, from Spanish cannibal or carabal, uh, meaning a savage. Oh, yeah. So the term oh my god, anthropop anthropophagy <laughs> already. Pa- Papa what? Anthropophagy meaning eating humans is also used for human cannibalism. So it's actually called anthropophagy. Oh, they have a term for it. They have a term for it, an actual medical term, or I guess medical term, a scientific term. So there are various reasons for human cannibalism. All right. You're hungry. That's number one. That's definitely one. The following are some of those and some explanations for them. Uh, First of all, there's religion. Among the score of practices, uh, Cortez and his men found the most intriguing and the most uh, repelling uh, was that of cannibalism among the highly developed Aztec civilization. In Aztec um, culture, human sacrifice and then eating the sacred meat was the best possible way to keep the gods happy. In addition, cannibalism acted as a shield against their wrath, which was manifested uh, manifested itself in the diverse forms of famine, drought, pestilence, and disease. According to most anthropologists, it was a way to keep the population in check. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That'll do it. Yep. And a sure way to prolong their rule by drumming into the uh, common man's mind the fear of God. I practice all uh, theocracies adopt and in one way or another to the pre- this present day. Okay. Of course they want the fear of God and everybody, you know, so the worry tribe deep in the heart of the Amazon practiced cannibalism when they were discovered in the 1950s. Their logic was that they eat their dear ones when they die as it is more humane to be in the warm inside of a loved one to, you know, be warm inside of a loved one than the cold earth. References to cannibalism are found in the sacred scriptures, including the Holy Bible and the Holy Quran. There, so it's reference. There's references in the yeah. Holy Bible. Oh yeah, oh yeah, boy. yeah, oh, boy. boy. Yeah, th- this is definitely not. It's not a new thing. Way to way to go, uh, Christians. <laughs> it's it's pretty or anybody shit. Um, number two is revenge and punishment. 
In most primitive cultures, cannibalism was practiced to instill fear into the hearts and to show utter scorn of their avowed enemies. The women folk followed their men into the battlefield and built temporary kitchens. Depending on the outcome of the fight, these women then searched the battlefield for their best specimens and cooked them. Oh my God. They enjoyed the meal with their men and the leftovers were carried back to the, uh, their houses or their, wherever they're living for the consumption of the children and the old tribes members. In Nigeria, Suru tribe, uh, they ate criminals and adulterers as a punishment. In China, uh, from right around 600 AD, the Sui Emperor Yang Ti broiled an official and had the colleagues eat him. It was a common custom in China that the generals who lost battles were presented as meals to <laughs> other fellow generals. <laughs> in Africa, the Mau Mau rebels indulged in cannibalism till as late as the 1950s. They hunted white man. Uh, the the white man, <laughs> and then ate him in order to end white supremacy for good. Fucking hell, that's crazy. <laughs> that right there would be the opposite of white privilege. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If they're just coming for you to eat you, that's taking white meat to a whole new level. <laughs> it's the other other white meat. <laughs> uh, number three is medicine. In Egypt, the pharaohs used to uh, bathe in fresh human blood to wash away leprosy. In ancient China, uh, various human body parts were used for medicinal purposes. In Chinese medical textbooks of the Tang Dynasty, the curative effect of human organs like heart, liver, and eyes, and uh, other human body parts like upper arms, thighs, and breasts is discussed in great detail. In certain African tribes, <laughs> cowards were made to drink the blood and eat the hearts of the brave so that the qualities of the dead could be transferred to those living. So if you were weak, they were like, well, gotta eat this heart, buddy. I'm yeah. sorry. It's kind of like when you kill your first deer, they always tell you you got to like drink the blood or take a bite out of the heart. Did you ever hear that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you become one with your kill. I told you my stepdad, when, when the first time I ever went hunting, he pulled out a cup and was trying to get me to drink the... Did you drink the, it? The, fuck no. No? No. Was he pissed? No. Yes, he was not happy about it. He wanted you to, you know, combine souls. Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a hunter thing where yeah. you know, it's your first kill. Drink the blood. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> It was bad enough having to lug that damn deer all the way back like two miles. Yeah, they're fucking heavy. They're super heavy. When they're, I don't know how they are when they're alive because I've never picked up a live deer. <laughs> but a dead deer is heavy as shit. Yeah. Uh, number four is sadism. This form of cannibalism that has persisted to the present day. Um, the, prisoner, uh, the prisoners, like beasts, were often castrated, force-fed, and fattened. They were <laughs> then taken to the marketplace where the buyers chose the choice cuts. Instances of modern-day cannibalism are found among the satanic cults and the rituals. Most recorded instances of modern-day cannibalism are to be found um, uh, to be done in states of hallucina hallucinations, yeah, under the influence of drugs. That makes sense. Okay. I mean, does it? Well, it's better than not. Be it's better than being sober and doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guess. I can see that. Number five, survival. It may sound gruesome and macabre, but cannibalism in modern society is mostly resorted to in instances of extreme and genuine need for survival. All right. Such was the case of the Uruguay rugby team whose plane crashed in the remote part of uh, the Andes Mountains. Uh, their survivors had to eat the dead uh, loved ones in order to survive until they, uh, the time they were actually rescued. That's uh, the, the movie, movie Alive. Alive, right? Yeah. Which is fucked up. And if you haven't seen that, definitely watch that. It's a slow burn. Yeah. But you're like, whoa. Though uh, many early accounts of cannibalism probably were exaggerated or in error, the practice prevailed until modern times in parts of West and Central Africa, Melanesia, um, New Guinea, Australia, among the more, uh, mores of New Zealand, in some of the islands of Polynesia, among tribes of Sumatra, and in various tribes of North and South America. 
So this is actually a pretty prominent thing that that it takes place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe not, you know, it's not like going to the grocery store and, you know. I just hope they prepared it, right? I mean, I hope they like. I'm sure they would. Cooked it. Maybe not the hallucination guys. They're probably just. Yeah, they're probably like mean, zombies. Just yeah. now, you know, nomin on bodies and. God. Ugh. In some regions, human flesh was looked upon as a form of food, sometimes equated with animal food, as is indicated in the Melanesian uh, pigeon term, long pig. <laughs> That's a long pig. That's a human. It's called long pig. That makes sense. Yeah, it's disgusting. Victorious Maoris um, often cut up the bodies of the dead after a battle and feasted on the flesh. And the Batak of Sumatra were reported to have sold human flesh in the markets before they came under full control by the Dutch. So this was just common practice. You know, it's just eat your long pig, buddy. Aren't you guys glad we live in the time that we do? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean it could be a lot worse. There's probably <laughs> there's probably somebody out there still doing Oh, I'm this. sure there is. Yeah. I'm sure there is. So now there is evidence, both archaeological and genetic, that cannibalism has been practiced for hundreds of thousands of years by early Homo sapiens and archaic hominins. Uh, human bones that have been defleshed by other humans go back 600,000 years. The oldest Homo sapiens bones from Ethiopia show signs of this as well. Some anthropologists, such as Tim D. White, suggest that ritual cannibalism was common in human societies prior to the beginning of the Upper Paleolithic period. This theory is based on the large amount of butchered human bones found in Neanderthal and other lower and middle Paleolithic sites. All right, so these motherfuckers were just doing it. That's that's it. Cannibalism in the lower and middle Paleolithic uh, may have occurred because of food shortages. It has been also suggested that removing dead bodies through ritual cannibalism might have been a means of predator control, aiming to eliminate predators and scavengers' access to hominid, you know, the early humans, yeah. and their bodies. Jim Corbett proposed that after major epidemics, mm -hmm, when human corpses are easily accessible to predators, there are more cases of man-eating leopards. So removing dead bodies through ritual cannibalism, you know, before the cultural traditions of burying and burning bodies appeared in human history, might have had practical reasons for um, hominids and early humans to control these predators. That's going to be like a vicious cycle. So like, you know, I'm sure they had disease and bacteria and they eat them and then it just keeps going and going and killing and you know, eventually there's one guy left with a full stomach of people. <laughs> Just some big old, <laughs> big old fat dude over yeah. in the corner like, it's fine. Yeah, Give him to me. You know what, though? They do somewhat do this today. You ever hear of these? Uh, I'm trying to remember where exactly it came from. When a woman has a child, they'll actually eat the placenta. Yes. You've I, heard of that, I right? I've heard of that, yeah. Like, it's pretty common, too. Like, a lot of people do it. It's, um, I'm not sure what cultures do that, to be honest with you. Because they mean, say it's, like, full of protein and yeah, some of the bullshit. They, like, that turn it into you. shakes sometimes, yeah. or they'll put it in food But they or whatever. save them, and they, they eat them. Like, that's a common thing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Not doing that. Nope. Uh, yeah. Doesn't sound appetizing. So, in Go's cave, or Gal, I would say Go. It looks like Van Gogh, G-O-U-G-H, whatever. Uh, in England... Remains of human bones and skulls around 14,700 year, years old suggest that cannibalism took place amongst the people living in or visiting the cave and that they may have used human skulls as drinking vessels. That is badass. That's, I mean, is it? That's pretty cool. <laughs> Imagine sitting in a cave and you got a skull upside down full of blood and you're just like, come on in. Oh, oh God. <laughs> so researchers have found physical evidence of cannibalism in ancient times. In 2001, archaeologists at the University of Bristol found evidence of Iron Age cannibalism in Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire? Glauke oh, fucking words! Gloucestershire. 
Um, and cannibalism was practiced as recently as 2,000 years ago in Great Britain. Uh-oh. Great Britain. Aren't you British? I am. Way to go, buddy. I know. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. Come on over for don't, dinner. Don't be eyeing me up. <laughs> I always wanted to have some friends for dinner. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, <clears throat> which is funny. I actually uh, have been watching Hannibal. Yeah. The TV show. Uh, and he's a cannibal. Oh, there's a TV show. There's a TV show. And it's is pretty it like fun. like a Netflix, Hulu? It, it's on thing. Netflix, yeah. And I think it was on a different station at one point in time. But it's pretty fucking dark, dude. It's dark. It's all about cannibalism. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Side note. I've been watching The Boys. Great show. Fucking probably the best show I've seen in a Great long, show. long time. You on season three yet? No. They release a new episode for season two every Friday. So I'm Season two. That's that. what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just watched last Friday's episode. I see, I haven't watched. I'm in the middle of it right now. So don't yeah, say anything. It's really yeah. good. It's, but it's I mean, like, that show. God, I wish they would make like a fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Did you see Seth Rogen's a producer of that, by the way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's a great show. If you guys aren't watching The Boys, you guys yeah. have to check it's out. It's probably the, the Boys. best thing you'll ever see on Prime on Amazon. Yeah, it's badass. Anthem. I mean, there's no cannibalism in it, at least not yet. But yeah. there's a lot of gore <laughs> yeah. and, and just it's, crazy shit. It's super dark for a superhero it's show. It's like if you, in your imagination, sometimes you look at superheroes and Marvel characters, you're like, well, what if, what if they were fucked up? Like, what if they did this and that? And like, you know, like that's like basically what it is. Superheroes gone bad. Yeah. That's what it is. So cannibalism is mentioned many times in early history and in literature. Her, uh, Herodotus in the histories from the uh, 450s to the 420s BCE claimed that after 11 days and uh, 11 days voyage up the oh, fucking words, Borosthenes, whatever, uh, which is a desolated land extended for a long way. And later, the country of the man eaters uh, was located and beyond it. Again, a desolated area extended where no man lived. The tomb of ancient Egyptian King Unus contained a hymn in praise to the king, portraying him as a cannibal. So these are the it, it, it goes way back. Did they say, watch out, boy, she'll chew you up. <laughs> He's a man eater. <laughs> Now, that would have been a good song for the drink pop, dude. Yeah. Oh, man, that would have been great. Um, so, Polybius, um, uh, the records that Hannibal uh, Hannibal Monomachus once suggested to Hannibal Barca, these are all Hannibals, it's funny, that he teach his army to adopt cannibalism in order to properly su uh, supply his uh, travel to Italy, although Barca and his officers could not bring themselves to practice it. So, they basically were told, you guys should just, you know, It'll get you there quicker if you just eat your crew. They're like, nah, we're good, bro. We're just going to have some of this <laughs> lamb and some of this pork, and we'll be all right. In the same war, Gaius Terentius Varro once claimed to the citizens of Capua that Barca's Gaul and Spanish mercenaries fed on human flesh, though his claims seem to be acknowledged as false. Cassius Dio recorded cannibalism practiced by the Bucoli, uh, the Egyptian tribes led by Isidorus against Rome. They sacrificed and devoured two Roman officers in ritualistic fashion, swearing an oath over their entrails. Oof. Yeah. According to Apeian, during the Roman siege of Numantia, God, sorry about all these words. I'm probably fucking every single one of these up. In the second century BCE, the population of Numantia was reduced to cannibalism and suicide. Cannibalism was reported by uh, Josephus during the siege of Jerusalem by Rome in 70 CE. What's that mustache? You need to take a tinkle. You'll be right back after this message. Well, it's time to return back to the show. I'm glad you stayed and didn't leave. Oh. <laughs> so Jerome, in his letter against Jovinianus, discusses how people come to their present condition as a result of their heritage, and he then lists several examples of peoples and their customs. 
In the list, he mentions that he has heard that Atticati, okay, the Atticati people, eat human flesh, and the um, Mazagati, oh, fucking words, Mazagati, ma- ma- masa- Masagasi, <laughs> Mozzarella, yes, and the Dabursis people, uh, all on the borders of India, kill and eat old people. No. So I guess that's a way to, oh, man, I don't know. I don't think I could do it. I don't know how. An old person would taste worse than a younger person, right? All gamey and leather. Leathery. Yeah. yeah. Reports of cannibalism were recorded during the First Crusade, as crusaders were alleged to have fed on the bodies of their dead opponents following the siege of Marara. Uh, Amen Mulaf also alleges further cannibalism incidents on the uh, march to Jerusalem and to the efforts made to delete mention of these from Western history. So they were trying to fucking scratch that part out. <laughs> that's, that's, we, we didn't do that. We didn't eat people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just nothing to see here. Yeah. During Europe's great famine of 1315 to 17, there were many reports of cannibalism among the starving populations. In North Africa, as in Europe, there are references to cannibalism as a last resort in times of famine. No, I could see that. Right. Right. I mean, very last straw. There's, there's nothing. You can't even eat tree bark at that point. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm not saying it's okay, but I understand. Yeah, it would not be fun. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I mean, if you had to. Yeah. Like, I still yeah. don't know if I could do it, though. God. I guess it's, I don't know. I guess it depends on how it's cooked. Right? Yeah, I tell you what, you put Frank's Red Hot Sauce on it, it's going to be good. I put that shit on everything. That's right. <laughs> the Moroccan Muslim explorer Ibn Battuta reported that one African king advised him that nearby people were cannibals, although this may have been a prank played on Ibn Battuta by the king to fluster his guest. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys don't want to come over here. Yeah, no, no. They eat motherfuckers. You don't want yeah. to do that. Um, Ibn Battuta reported that Arabs and Christians were safe as their flesh was unripe and would cause to um, uh, the, the eater to fall ill. So if you were Christian, you, you, you would make someone sick if they ate you. That's amazing. Another way to force religion down here. Yeah, yeah, literally. Uh, For a brief time in uh, Europe, an unusual form of cannibalism occurred when thousands of Egyptian mummies preserved in uh, Butemen Butemen, were ground up and sold as medicine. The practice developed into a wide-scale business which flourished until the late 16th century. This fad ended because the mummies were revealed actually to be recently killed slaves. Oops. (laughs) Two centuries ago, mummies were still believed to have medicinal properties against bleeding and were sold as pharmaceut- uh, pharmaceuticals in powdered form. <laughs> you just, hey, uh, I'm not feeling good. Here, snort this mummy. Yeah. Yeah. Just take a take a bump. <laughs> just, uh. <laughs> what dynasty is that? That's good. <laughs> in China during the Tang Dynasty, cannibalism was supposedly re- uh, resorted to, uh, to by rebel forces early in the period who were said to raid neighboring areas for victims to eat as well as both soldiers and civilians besieged during the rebellion of An Lushan. Eating an enemy's heart and liver was also claimed to be a feature of both official punishments and private vengeance. References to cannibalism, the enemy, um, cannibalizing the enemy have also been seen in poetry written in the Song Dynasty, um, although the cannibalizing is perhaps poetic symbolism expressing hatred towards the enemy. So let me level with you for a second here. Oh boy. It can't be... And I know this is going to sound so fucked up, but it can't be that bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, think think about it this way. Think of the animals and the animal parts we consume on a day-to-day basis and don't think twice. Yeah. Genetically, scientifically, we're the same as animals. Animals have blood. We have blood. 
Animals have livers. We have livers. Animals muscle. have hearts and muscle. We have hearts and muscle. Yeah. So technically, a human heart and muscle cannot taste differently than a cow's heart and muscle, right? I mean, I'm not justifying cannibalism, oh but I'm just saying it's it's not like you know, like you, you could you tell difference. Like if you did a taste test, you know, and you had like. These are chicken fingers, right? Quote, quote. (laughs) (laughs) These are human fingers. Yeah, you eat one and you eat the other. And then the guy tells you that one's a cow, one's a human, but they both taste the same. I, You know what I mean? It's it's that kind of thing, you know? It's making me queasy. It's more more of a mental thing than it is anything. It's making me queasy. Not even joking. I'm not saying I'm a cannibal and I'm not saying I justify it, but it can't be that different than animals. It really can't. People think about it scientifically. Oh, boy. Medically. There is a universal agreement that some Mesoamerican people practice human sacrifice, but there is a lack of scholarly consensus as to whether cannibalism in pre-Columbian America was widespread. At one extreme, anthropologist Marvin Harris, author of Cannibals and Kings, has suggested that the flesh of the victims was a part of an aristocratic diet as a reward since the Aztec diet was lacking in proteins. Yeah. So the higher you were up in the ranks, the... Yeah, the more human flesh you They didn't eat. have protein shakes back in the day. <laughs> yeah, God. While most historians of the pre-Columbian era believe that there was ritual cannibalism related to human sacrifices, they do not support Harris's thesis that human flesh was ever a significant portion of the Aztec diet. Others have hypothesized that cannibalism was part of a blood revenge in war, which I could see that. Yeah. I could see, especially back then, you know, like you're in a freaking war and these guys are... You know, it's way back in the day, and that's the thing. So there's got to be like a there's a difference, right? There's the cannibalism that you do just like out of aggression because it's like a fuck you, I I'm the god, blah blah blah. But then there's also the cannibalism that's like I'm starving. There's nothing to eat. I have to eat this, right? All right. So, so okay, you got like two very very, two very versions. Of yeah, it. the spectrum's very wide there. Yeah, like one's necessity, the other one's because you're fucking insane. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like Bear Giles or Giles or whatever his name is. You know, he like falls into the woods and he's he can't find any food. He's gonna kill the camera guy and eat his leg. It's just gonna happen because he has to survive. Hope he films it. That would be amazing. Yeah. European explorers and colonizers brought home many stories of cannibalism practiced by the native peoples they encountered. But there is now archaeological and written evidence for English settlers' cannibalism in 1609 in the Jamestown colony under famine conditions. And I'm pretty sure that's the one we uh, touched on when we talked about our uh, turkey feast. For our turkey feast, yeah. In Spain's overseas uh, expansion to the New World, the practice of cannibalism was reported by Christopher Columbus. And no, not the director. In the uh, Caribbean islands. He's the islands. one that found the earth was flat, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make yeah, sure. Th- that guy, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this was in the uh, Caribbean islands, and the uh, Caribs were greatly feared because of their supposed practice of cannibalism. Queen Isabel of Castile had forbade the Spaniards to enslave the indigenous, um, but if they were guilty of cannibalism, they could be enslaved. <laughs> That's like <laughs> idiocracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can't touch those guys unless they're eating other humans, and yeah. then you can enslave them. Yeah, well, whatever. The accusation of cannibalism became a pretext for attacks on indigenous groups and justification for the Spanish conquest. So basically, they went over and said, yeah, they're all eating people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. They're, yeah. They're totally eating everyone. Yeah, we're just going to take everybody. Jesus. In uh, Yucatan, uh, shipwrecked Spaniard Geronimo de Aguilar, who later became a translator for Hernan Cortez, reported to have witnessed fellow Spaniards sacrificed and eaten but escaped from captivity where he was being fattened for sacrifice himself. 
He's being fat. That's amazing. <laughs> They're juicing him up. In the Florentine Codex, compiled uh, compiled by Franciscan, oh man, Bernardino de Sagahun, Sahagun, whatever. Sounds good to me. Yeah. From information provided by indigenous eyewitnesses has questionable evidence of Mexican cannibalism. Franciscan friar Diego de Lando reported in on Yucatan instances. So these people are, they, you got mixed stories coming back and forth. Some are saying it was there and others were saying that it was not. Yeah. Basically what it comes down to. In early Brazil, there is uh, reports of cannibalism among the Tupanamba. It is. Uh, I have no doubt. <laughs> I'm hearing all kinds of new tribe names in this one. This is yeah. awesome. It is recorded about the natives of the uh, um, captaincy of Sir <laughs> Sir Jeep Sir Jeep in Brazil. Quote: They eat human flesh when they can get it, and if a woman miscarries, devour the abortive immediately. Ooh! If she goes her time out, she herself cuts the navel string with a shell which she boils along with the second dean, the placenta, and eats them both, end quote. Jeebus Christmas. So you imagine the, the poor woman is probably a wreck because the baby is aborted, right? Right. So she's like crying, but everybody else is cheering like, yeah, we're going to eat good. Yeah. You know? oh, like, oh, God. So and then weird. she has to cut it herself yeah. and then boil it and eat it along with the placenta. That's yeah. fucking what? Makes you want to have sex again and make a baby, right? Nope. <sighs> Makes me not ever want to eat again. <laughs> Jesus. Right. In modern Brazil, a black comedy film, How Tasty Was My Little Frenchman, <laughs> <laughs> mostly in the Tupi language, portrays a Frenchman, uh, Frenchman captured by the indigenous and his demise. Jesus. In 1913, uh, or the 1913 Handbook of Indians of Canada, claims that North American natives practicing cannibalism included the Montagnai and some of the tribes of Maine, the Algonquin, the Arma, Arma, oh, fucking words, Arma, Armachuku, Armachuqua, Armachuqua. Thank you. It works. Iroquois and Micmac. Farther west, the Assiniboine, the Cree, the Foxes, the Chippewa, Miami, Ottawa, Kickapoo, Illinois, Sioux, and Winnebago. And in the south, the people who built the mountains in Florida and the Tonkawa, Atacapa. Okay, pretty much so, all of the fucking right tribes. now. Right now, Moody's playing this in his earbuds, like when it's live, and he's like, <laughs> he's so happy that he put all those words in there. Yeah, thanks for fucking me up here, buddy. So these are all pretty much known as they they've all practiced at least some form of cannibalism. The forms of cannibalism described included uh, both resorting to human flesh during famines and ritual cannibalism. The latter usually consisting of eating a small portion of an enemy warrior, like we we're just discussing. Yeah, that. you got, you know, both sides of the spectrum there. From another, eating flesh or the meat, or is that just like is that kind of just encompasses it all? I, I don't know, but I would say that it was probably like, skin would be. I can't see how skin would be like be chewy, fulfilling. Wouldn't it be chewy? Well, yeah. I mean, have you, you ever eaten? A, you ever like eaten a scab? Like when you were younger or whatever, you little no, kid. You never, never eaten a scab? Yeah, no. me neither. Anyway. Um, <laughs> From another source. Wait, why did you bring it up then? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I was just, you know, some people out there may have done that. From another source, according to Hans Egyad, uh, when the Inuit killed a woman accused of witchcraft, they ate a portion of her heart. Well, you should. That's the only way to get rid of a witch. Kill the witch. Yeah, and then eat the heart. <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine if they still did that back in the witch trials? It'd be awesome. They were just killing and just eating hearts from all these fucking yeah. witches and shit. Jesus. It's and, like a girl stood you up back in the day. You could eat her heart. She's a witch! <laughs> and then everybody <laughs> gathers around and grabs like, ah, I told you, bitch! 
Oh, yeah. You're not breaking up with me. I'll eat your fucking heart. <laughs> as with most lurid tales of native cannibalism, these stories are treated with a great deal of scrutiny as accusations of cannibalism were often used as justifications for the subjugation or destruction of savages. So they would go in there and, oh, you know, the, the white man comes in and goes, well, we've got to get rid of these people. Oh, how do we do that? Well, they're Fuck savages. Them. Let's let's kill the savages. And that's pretty much all they did. And they created shit. So way to go, white folk. However, there were several well-documented cultures that engaged in regular eating of the dead, such as New Zealand's Maori. The very first encounter between Europeans and Maori may have involved cannibalism of a Dutch sailor. In June 1772, the French explorer Marion Dufresne and 26 members of his crew were killed and eaten in the Bay of Islands. <laughs> 20, so 27 people. That's a feast. That's a, you ain't lying. In an 1809 incident known as the Boyd Massacre, about 66 passengers and crew of the Boyd were killed and eaten by Maori on the Wangarau Peninsula. 66? 66. Okay. You're trying to wolf down one person. Here's 66. That's like fucking the Great Buffet. They, prob they probably they fed for a while, I would, I would have ventured to say that that was... Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. A lot. 66 people. Could you imagine At average size? What, what would you say we're comparable to human beings? Like as far as like an animal, what animal would our meat and like everything that's in us be comparable well, to? Monkeys. No, no, or I'm apes. saying like that we eat. Oh, that we eat? Yeah, like a pig. Mm. I know they say that we're closely like our insides are related to a pig. So I'm saying like flesh wise, because we definitely don't have as much meat on us as a, a cow. Yeah. So I'm just thinking like pig. It could be pig. Yeah. We'll say a pig, like a full big pig, right? Right. Like a big sow. Imagine having 66 of those butchered and you're eating 66 pigs that's like a rib burn off <laughs> with a lot of fucking I, I would i would hope hailstorms playing <laughs> it's not it's it's you know damn well it's not it's gonna be like yeah. reo speedwagon yeah, yeah, yeah. or sticks yes yeah, sticks. <laughs> in another instance on july 11th 1821 warriors from the uh nagapui tribe i'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly uh killed two thousand enemies and remain on the battlefield, eating the vanquished until they were driven off by the smell of decaying bodies. Now, that's fucking awesome. Could you imagine seeing that scene where it's just like a battlefield and there's bodies everywhere and there's guys just hunched over like... It's, it's like, like zombies like, like walking without, dead. Being, without being dead. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. The Maori warrior, uh, warriors fighting the New Zealand government in the uh, Titokaurus... Titokaurus... Fucking shit. The Titok... Titicaurus, whatever, war in New Zealand. Sorry, New Zealand folks. Uh, North Island in uh, 1868 and 69 revived ancient rites of cannibalism as part of the radical Hahau movement of the Pai Marie religion. So this is eight, late 1800s. Okay, so that's not, not that long ago. No. <laughs> Other islands in the Pacific were home to cultures that allowed cannibalism to some degree. In parts of uh, Melanesia, cannibalism was still practiced in the early 20th century for a variety of reasons, including retaliation, to insult an enemy people, or to absorb the dead person's qualities. It's like freaking Mortal Kombat over here. Like, oh, <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. One tribe, what's the, the person, is it Shao Kahn that absorbs everyone's? Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung, that's yeah. who it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Nerd alert. <laughs> One tribal chief, Ratu Udra Udra in uh, Rakaraki. <laughs> Fucking shit. Fiji is... <laughs> Might this happen? Got shot. He got shot. 
So anyway, in Fiji is said to have consumed 872 people and to have made a pile of stones to record his achievement. Fiji was nicknamed. <laughs> so basically, for what is that? Like one stone for every person that yeah. he ate? Yeah, he probably got like a little little pyramid of stones. Just you know, for just, everyone. He stands by, people walk by, he's like, yeah, it's my stones. <laughs> it's yeah. another one. It's yeah. another one over here. I don't know if you counted, but there's 23. <laughs> <laughs> so Fiji was nicknamed the Cannibal Isles by European sailors who avoided dis- <laughs> disembarking there. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. The, the dense population of Marcasa Island, Polynesia, was concentrated in the narrow valleys and consisted of warring tribes who sometimes practiced cannibalism on their enemies. Human flesh, again, was called long pig. And W.D. Rubenstein wrote, it was considered a great triumph among the Marquesians to eat the body of a dead man. They treated their captives with great cruelty. They broke their legs to prevent them from attempting to escape before being eaten, but kept them alive so that they could brood over their impending fate. God, that's horrible. With this tribe, as with many others, the bodies of women were in great demand. You hear that, ladies? You've always been wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, you've always been wanted by the, the the men out there, the men folk. God, that's just break your legs. Yeah, that's crazy. And keep you alive just so Force you can, feed you. Yeah, just so you know that you're going to be eaten by everybody. Yeah. Talk about drawing a shitty straw, man. God. Have you seen Green Inferno? No. Oh, my God. It's um, Eli Roth. Okay. And it's literally basically um, these kids who are like trying to be like shoot a... Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, like some sort of a, uh, what the hell they call it when you go out there and you're like trying to save the rainforest or whatever. You know what I mean? One of those types of things. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I can't think of the fucking word because it's too early in the morning. Anyway, so they go over there and... A missionary. Well, missionary, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Long story short, uh, yeah, they're cannibalized. But they show like gruesome fucking detail. Really? Oh, dude, it's... What's it called? Uh, Green Inferno. Green Inferno, okay. Yeah, it's fucked. So if you guys want to watch something super fucked up, especially after this episode... Watch Green Inferno. I've seen Bone Tomahawk. That's great. That's, that's great. Kind of cannibalism. Yeah, that's a little cannibally. Where they little. split that guy in half with a yeah. fucking axe. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> so this pe- uh, period of time was also... Oh, wait, wait, we we invited the kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember that movie where they take the tomahawk to the guy's crotch and split him in half and all his innards come out? I would really fucking hope that at this point in time that people that listen to this don't allow their kids to listen to it. At least yeah. if they're uh, like... 15, 16, maybe. I guess, you know what? Use your discretion, folks. I'm not your, yeah. I'm not your parents. I mean, whatever. Yeah, teach use your them discretion. early. Yeah. Why not? They yeah, could go just, to school and tell the other kids. And, you know, just, it, I would just say if you get anything out of this episode for all you youngsters out there, is uh, simply put, just don't fucking eat people. Nice. What's that mustache? You need to take a tinkle. We'll be right back after this message. This episode of the Midnight Train Podcast is sponsored by Voodoo Vodka. 20 times distilled, made from pure cane sugar and handcrafted right here in Ohio. Vodka can be smooth and voodoo proves it. Drink it straight, chilled, or in your favorite mixed drink. Ask for it wherever you buy your favorite liquors or head over to voodoo.com and subscribe to their mailing list. While you're there, pick up some voodoo merchandise and use the promo code Midnight Train Podcast. All one word. To get 10% off your entire order, that's voodoo, V-O-U-D-O-U-X.com. Promo code Midnight Train Podcast for 10% off. And you can now buy this delicious vodka online. So order some today and drink with us whenever you listen to the show. Voodoo Vodka, it's magic. Well, it's time to return back 
I'm glad you stayed and didn't leave. All right, so we are back, and we actually have the one and only Mr. Moody on the line. What's up, guys? What's happening, man? Not much. How's babysitting going? Um, it was fun. I had to make a shitload of pancakes because my kids eat like fucking horses. <laughs> nice. Are they human pancakes? Maybe. <laughs> Are they shaped like humans? Do Let's you... just say my neighbor's been missing for a few days. Oh, there you go. Oh, <laughs> wow. The, the kids are like, yeah, this is full of so much protein. I have so much energy. Wow. <laughs> All right, so as we were talking about here, um, this period of time was also rife with instances of explorers and seafarers resorting to cannibalism for survival. So they're survivors of the sinking of the French ship Medusa. Uh, is that Medusa or Medusa? Medusa, I would say. Yeah, in 18, yeah I think so. Yeah, in 1816, resorted to cannibalism after four days adrift on a raft, and their plight was made famous by Theodore Gerakult's painting, Raft of the Medusa. So again, we were talking... Go ahead. Real quick, I just wanted to let you know when I was doing all this stuff, there were so many names and words and shit that I was just waiting oh. because I couldn't wait to hear you. Wait, wait till you hear it live. Wait till you hear it live. We, we shot you out on that. Yeah, we gave you a shout out because we already went through a lot of that and I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> I had to apologize like 18 different times. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so after a whale sank the Essex of Nantucket on November 20th, 1820, uh, which is an important source event for Herman Melville's Moby Dick. There once was a man from Nantucket. Got that, kid? <laughs> <laughs> Tell your friend and your teachers. <laughs> so the survivors of the Essex in three small boats resorted by common consent to cannibalism in order for some to survive. And uh, Moody, before you joined us, we joined us. We were actually talking that it seems like there's two extremes. There's either the warrior who is, you know, basically defeated their opponents, and so they're eating their bodies or whatever it is, or it's out of um, survival, which seems to be the two, right. t- the two basic um, spectrums here. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I came up with when I was looking. And then obviously you have your your randos, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sir John Franklin's lost uh, polar expedition is another example of cannibalism out of desperation. Um, on land, the Donner Party found itself stranded by snow in the Donner Pass, a high mountain pass in California, without adequate supplies during the Mexican-American War, leading to several instances of cannibalism. Mm. They done get, got eight. Yeah. <laughs> One notorious cannibal was uh, mountain man Boone Helm. Who was known as the Kentucky Cannibal for eating several of his fellow travelers from 1850 until his eventual hanging in 1864. The case. Those last two two will actually, uh, I covered later. We'll talk talk a little more in depth on those. Awesome. So the the case of R.V. Dudley and Stevens uh, is an English case which dealt with four crew members of an English yacht, the Menonette who were uh, cast away in a storm some uh, 2,600 kilometers, which is 1,600 miles, uh, from the Cape of Good Hope. After several days, one of the crew, a 17-year-old cabin boy, fell unconscious due to a combination of the famine and drinking seawater. The others, uh, one of them possibly objecting, decided then to kill him and eat him. They were uh, picked up four days later. Two of the three survivors were found guilty of murder. 
And a significant outcome of this case was that uh, necessity in English criminal law was determined to be no defense against a charge of murder. I just picture him on the ship and like the poor kid just falls over, you know, but then like the other guys, they kind of look to the right and they see like all the, uh, you know, the food and rice and everything. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Let's eat him. Yeah. Or he's just sitting there and they're all looking at him and he's the youngest, like, you know, and they just go, how are you feeling? And he's like, well, I'm actually okay. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Get the calls ready. Yeah, just, just one good. Yeah. So, uh, Roger Casement writing, uh, to a counselor, um, uh, to a consular colleague in Lisbon on August 3rd, 1903, August 3rd, by the way, greatest state ever. Cause that's the day I was born. Just saying that was what? 60 years ago. <sighs> <laughs> Well, this took place on August 3rd, 1903, so that was only a couple years before you were born. Right, it was right before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was right around then, yeah. yeah. From Lake Montobo in the Congo Free State said, quote, The people around here are all cannibals. You never saw such a weird-looking lot in your life. There are also dwarfs, called batwas, in the forest who are even worse cannibals than the taller human environment. Fucking Ewoks. <laughs> they eat man flesh raw. It's a fact. Fuck. What were they called? In quote. Uh, he called them batwas. Batwas? Batwas. <laughs> you little fucking batwa. <laughs> I'm going to start calling my kids that whenever I act like assholes. <laughs> I hope they were like of short stature, you know? They, they were dwarfs. Yeah. yeah. Like, but they had like the, like the deer cloth hoods, just like Ewoks. So yeah, the little spears. And... <laughs> so uh, Caseman then added how assailants would, quote, bring down a dwarf on the way home for the marital <laughs> cooking pot. The dwarfs, as I say, dispense with cooking pots and eat and drink their human prey fresh cut on the battlefield while the blood is still warm and running. These are not fairy tales, my dear Cowper, but actual gruesome realty or realty reality in the heart of this poor, benighted, savage land. So they've got a bunch of little cannibal Ewoks running around. So listen, you're going to take the port north when you park it and begin to go through the forest. Watch out for the leprechauns. They will eat you. <laughs> the bites start at your kneecaps and then go, uh, go all the way up. During 1892 to 1894, or the 1892 to 1894 war between the Congo Free State and the Swahili Arab city-states of uh, Nyangwe and Kosongo in eastern Congo, there were reports of widespread cannibalization of the bodies of defeated Arab combatants by the Batatella allies of Belgian commander Francis Danis. Danis, whatever. The Batatella, quote, like most of their neighbors, were inve inveterate? What the fuck kind of word is that? Inveterate cannibals. Uh, end quote. an old word. Yes, inveterate cannibals. So basically. What the hell does that mean? It means definitely. Let me, let me, let me Google it. I'm on it. it. I'll, I'll Are you on it? Right now. Okay. All right, whatever. Okay. So according to uh, Denise's uh, medical uh, officer, Captain Hindi, their town of Nagandu had, quote, at least 2,000 polished human skulls. <laughs> as a, quote, solid white pavement in front of its gates with human skulls crowning every post of the stockade. That's fucking awesome. Oh, boy. That's some, that, that's like a horror movie thing. Yeah, and it sounds like welcome to freaking Terror Dome over there. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, Jesus. In April 1892, 10,000 of the Batatella under the command of uh, Gango Lutut, <laughs> Lutut, Lutit, <laughs> Join forces with Danis uh, in a campaign against the Swahili Arab leaders, Sefu and Mohara. After one early skirmish in the campaign, Hindi, quote, noticed that the bodies of both the killed and wounded had vanished, end quote. When fighting broke out again, Hindi saw his Batatella allies drop human arms, legs, and heads on the ground. One young Belgian officer wrote home, quote, Happily, Gongo's men ate them up. 
<laughs> it's horrible, horrible, but exceedingly useful and hygienic. I should have been horrified at the idea in Europe, but it seems quite natural to me here. Don't show this letter to anyone indiscreet, end quote. What happens in wherever that was? <laughs> what happens, happens in the Congo yeah. stays in the Congo. <laughs> Jesus. After the massacre at uh, Nangangwe, uh, Latit, a quote, hid himself in his quarters, appalled by the sight of thousands of men smoking human hands and human chops on their campfires, enough to feed his army for many days. You got that hickory chips under there? Or about that apple wood? <laughs> Smoking it? Yeah. Not even just, he's back there taking his time with it. Oh, this is the best. The, yeah. the skin just falls right off. It's Not perfect. Now. We got to wait at least three hours yeah, for yeah. it to season. Oh, Jesus. In West Africa, the Leopard Society was a cannibalistic secret society that existed until the mid-1900s. Centered in Sierra Leone, Liberia, and Ivory Coast, the leopard men would dress in leopard, leopard skins and waylay travelers with sharp claw-like weapons in the form of leopards' claws and teeth. The victims' flesh would be cut from their bodies and distributed to members of the society. So if you look at this and everything we've discussed so far, a lot of this, I would say at least 90% is all primitive cultures, right? Correct. So obviously... Okay, but... Go ahead. Real quick, did you notice? Did you notice that last one said till the mid 1900s? Right. Yes. So that's up to like 1950ish. You got to think. But right. here's here's the These kicker. Fucking people were out there eating people. Yeah. Here's the kicker. It's just like going down south, and they're still back in like 1987. You know what I mean? It's a cultural thing where some some places don't advance as yeah, especially like tribes that are in like the amazonian yeah. I mean, and we, shit like we, that when yeah. we went on tour we noticed that i mean we would go to these southern <laughs> places and it's like fucking nirvana was like the hot thing you yeah. know and it was like the year 2004 it's like whoa what yeah That's, they still refer to like people, they're stuck in time you they know? still refer to people as colored yeah. folks yeah you know what i mean yeah it's, yeah. it's bad um so well, have, i mean there's there's tribes and shit down there that they still think are, that people haven't found you know what i mean they're finding them all the time Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what I'm saying. Well, I guess my point is full circle that back in the day, and we're talking the, the way back when, this was like a normal thing. Like we talked about, like yeah. cultures everywhere were like, fuck it. We're meat. We're walking meat. We're going to eat eat ourselves. Yeah. Ugh, boy. Yeah. I've had a clean. Like I went back to the animal thing. Yeah. We're, we're the same. You know, uh, we have a heart. A pig has a heart. Yeah. A pig has a liver. We have a liver. It's all the same. Uh, Moody, I've literally had a queasy feeling in my stomach this entire episode, just so you're aware. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 awesome. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or should we say worse? Yeah. So, <laughs> further instances include can, uh, including cannibalism as ritual practice. All right. So, cannibalism in times of drought, famine, and other destitution, as we talked about earlier, as well as cannibalism as criminal acts and war crimes throughout the 20th and 21st centuries. So, in World War II, here, let's talk about that. Many instances of cannibalism by necessity were recorded during World War II. For example, during the 872-day uh, siege of Leningrad, reports of cannibalism began to appear in the winter of 1941 and 1942. For all birds, rats, and pets were eaten by survivors, Leningrad police even formed a special division to combat cannibalism. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Some 2.8 million Soviet POWs died in Nazi custody in less than eight months during 1941 to 1942, according to the USHMM. By the winter of 1941, quote, starvation and disease resulted in mass death of unimaginable proportions. This deliberate starvation led to many incidents of cannibalism. But that's the other side of the spectrum we talked about. When right. you get to the starving point, there's, there's necessity to eat. Yeah. You're going to have to, right. right? Or die. Right. 
Either way. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, you could choose. What is it? Eat or be eaten at yeah. that point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Following the society, uh, the Soviet victory of uh, Stalingrad, it was found that some German soldiers in the besieged city cut off from supplies resorted to cannibalism. Later, following the German surrender in January 1943, roughly 100,000 German soldiers were taken prisoner of war. Almost all of them were sent to POW camps in Siberia or Central Asia, where, due to being chronically underfed by the Soviet captors, many resorted to cannibalism. Fewer than 5,000 of the prisoners taken at Stalingrad survived captivity. So out of 100,000 of these POWs, less than 5,000 survived. That's fucked. That's fucked. So cannibalism took place in the concentration and death camps in the independent state of Croatia, a Nazi German puppet state, which was governed by the fascist Eustasha organization who committed the genocide of Serbs and the Holocaust in uh, NDH. Do you think he had a mustache? He probably did. (laughs) He has a mustache. What a fucking piece of shit. God. Anyway, some survivors testify that some of the uh, Eustashas drank the blood from the slashed throats of their victims. Oh boy! So well, that's, that's the mental side, then. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not the starving. That's, side. that's the other the, side of the yeah, spectrum, may, yeah. right? In your head, right? So while that was all very pleasant, and uh, you know, I'm feeling queasy here, and I'm sure you all feel nice and warm and cozy, we're gonna get in some uh, more famous cases of cannibalism here. All right. Um, first, let's talk about liver eating Johnson and Boone Helm. Yeah. <laughs> It's got the greatest nickname ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> liver eating Johnson over here. <laughs> Johnson, like a really shitty. Pl- like a really shitty bluesman from back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> liver eating Johnson. Oh, liver eating Johnson. Yeah. Guitars out of tune. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> using human gut strings instead yeah. of cat gut. Oh, God. So Johnson is said to have been born with the last name Garrison in the area of the Hickory Tavern between Pattenburg and Little York near the border of what is today Alexandria and Union Townships in Hunterton Town, New Jersey. Hey, New Jersey. Oh, Skelton, Skelton Sisters. Skelton Sisters. Hey. hey. During the Mexican-American War, he served aboard a fighting ship, having enlisted under a false age. After striking an officer, he deserted, changed his name to John Johnston, and Johnston, and what a fucking horrible name to change your name to. Yeah. What's your name? Know, right? Bill Bilson. <laughs> it's like they, it's like somebody asked him, he just couldn't think of anything. He's like, John Johnston. Yeah, and they're like, you just made yeah. that up, didn't you? No, no, that's, that's my name. Yeah. And uh, he traveled west to try his hand at the gold diggings in Alder Gulch, Montana Territory. He also became a wood hawk. All right, wood hawk, sorry. Supplying cordwood to steamboats. He was, and that's actually a really fucking cool name. What are you, wood hawk? What do you do? I give wood to people. I seek out the wood and provide the wood. I am wood hawk. (laughs) Wood hawk. Caw, caw. No, that doesn't work. (laughs) That doesn't work. Sorry. (laughs) He was described as a large man standing about six feet, two inches in uh, stocking feet and weighing in the area of 260 pounds with almost no body fat. So he's a big motherfucker. Rumors, legends, and campfire tales around uh, abound about Johnson. Perhaps chief among them is uh, this one. In 1847, his wife, a member of the Flathead American Indian tribe, was killed by a young crow brave and his fellow hunters, uh, which prompted Johnson to embark on a vendetta against the tribe. According to historian Andrew Mahane, um, Andrew Mahane Sutherland, sorry, Andrew Mahane Sutherland, quote, he supposedly killed and scalped more than 300 crow Indians and then devoured their livers. Sounds like a Tarantino movie. Yeah. To avenge the death of his wife, and quote, as his reputation and collection of scalps grew, Johnson became an object of fear. Well, no fucking shit. 
God, can you imagine that? You just hear this fucking guy that's just <laughs> 300 fucking people. Yeah. Look, I love, I love my wife, but I would never kill 300 people and eat their fucking livers over her death. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's insane, man. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, you know, some people got it like that. Some don't, you know. Yeah. Evidence says that he would cut out and eat the liver of each crow killed. This was an insult to the crow because the crow believed the liver to be vital of uh, if one was to go on to the afterlife. All right. So he knew that this so, was yeah, like he's, he, he was doing this intentionally right. to fuck with them. OK, this led to him being known as Liver Eaton Johnson. The story of how he got his name was written down by a diarist at the time. There were all uh, already two Johnsons, Pear Lovin' Johnson. <laughs> what? Dude, this, I had to leave this in. This is amazing. And Long Toes Johnson. <laughs> Nicknames were commonplace, and with Johnson's show of eating the liver, he received his name. Okay, hold on. Let's just let's just talk about the company he keeps with this name right now. There's Pear Lovin' Johnson, which, what does it sound like he does? He loves pears. He likes apples. Right, he likes apples. Sure. Uh, Long Toes Johnson. Probably means he's got like some fucked up feet yeah. or something like that. Then you have liver eating Johnson. <laughs> Just seems a little out of place is all I'm saying. Where, where's Johnson Johnson? <laughs> Johnson and Johnson? That's later. Or maybe they got together and formed Johnson and Johnson. True that. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it'd be Johnson, Johnson and Johnson. Doctor. That's, that's three of them. <laughs> One tale ascribed to Johnson, um, while other sources ascribe it to Boone Helm was of being ambushed by a group of Blackfoot warriors in the dead of winter on a foray to sell whiskey to his flatheads, uh, flathead kin, a trip that would uh, have been over 500 miles. All right, So the Blackfoot planned to sell him to the crow, his mortal enemies, for a handsome price. He was stripped to the waist, tied with leather thongs, and put in a teepee with only one very inexperienced guard. <laughs> Sounds smart. This dude's fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> and he's killed over 300 fucking people, and you're going to put, like, I don't know, little Billy whatever his name is outside of the teepee. He's in a teepee. How's he going to get out? Right, right. Oh, he's good. Yeah. He's good. Johnson managed to break through the straps. He then knocked out his young guard with a kick, took his knife, and scalped him, and then quickly cut off one of his legs. <laughs> Roadhouse. Yeah, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> he made his escape into the woods, surviving by eating the Blackfoot's leg until he reached the cabin of Del Goo, his trapping partner, a journey of about 200 miles. Jesus. So he just kept the leg and ate it while he's out there running to his his buddy's place. Yeah. He's going to need the, like the giant energy. Chunky, giant chunky Indian jerky, man. Oh, man. So eventually Johnson made peace with the crow, who became his brothers, and his personal vendetta against him finally ended after 25 years. Wait, after all that? Wait, wait a second. Hold on. All of that shit happens, and it's like, well, he made peace with them. Wait, there's got to be, yeah. there's, that's a loophole. Well, there's got to be something probably, in the middle there. They probably just didn't want their livers eaten anymore. They're right, like, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, like, you think he was tired of fighting? You think he's like, you know what, I'm fucking done. I think it's more like they were like, all right, this motherfucker's just badass. We got to stop messing with him. Let's just, let's just make friends with him. Because if not, he's, listen, I like my liver. All right, and I don't want, you know what I mean? And I don't want this motherfucker eating it. So, so he was done with his vendetta then? He's like, fuck it, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, and uh, now... The West, however, was still a very violent and territorial place, particularly during the Plain Indian Wars of the mid-19th century. Many more Indians of different tribes, especially uh, but not limited to the Sioux and Blackfoot, would know the wrath of Di... Oh, my God. Dipiak? Uh, Di what the wow. fuck is that name? Dipiak Absaroka, crow killer, and his fellow mountain men. God, can we call that guy something else? Dick Pick. Yeah, there you go. Dick Pick. That's his name. 
As mentioned earlier, there was another man named Levi Boone Helm around the same period that did some equally awful stuff. By 1850, Helm had decided to head for California in search of gold. Helm asked his cousin, a man named Littlebury Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) These fucking names, man. If he would accompany him to California. Shoot initially agreed to accompany him, but when Littlebury attempted to back out of the trip, Helm became angered and stabbed him in the chest, killing him instantly. Helm then headed west alone. Littlebury's brother and friends pursued and captured Helm, but his antics in uh, captivity quickly landed him in an asylum for the mentally deranged. Upon entering a sanitarium? No, remember, that's that's, that's not the same thing. I wish that I would have known the name Littlebury before I had my son, because I would have definitely named him (laughs) Littlebury. Littlebury Moody? I was just going to (laughs) say, like, what happened to all these awesome names? Now we have, like, Liam and Aiden. Like, what the fuck is that? We need, like, these... Connor... Yeah, we need these <laughs> We need these <laughs> nicknames back, you know? Yeah, we that, yeah, they need to have cool names like that. Yeah. So upon entering the asylum, hell say what? I just said fucking a little berry. <laughs> so upon entering the asylum, Helm became uh, uh what is what the fuck attack a turn and convinced his guard yeah. yeah, and convinced his guard to take him on walks through the woods. After these walks became routine, Helm was able to take advantage of the guard's trust deceived them and escaped so he got put into the asylum acted like he was all cool and he got out helm then headed west to california on the way he murdered several men in various altercations eventually committing premeditated murder forced to flee to avoid arrest and vigilante justice helm teamed up with six men with whom he confided that in his past he had eaten all or part of his murder victims quote many's the poor devil i've killed at one time or another and the time has been that i've been obliged to feed on some of them Jesus Christ. This this boastful boastful illusion is the first report of cannibalism on the part of Boone Helm. An attack by Indians on the way to Fort Hall, Idaho, forced Helm and his party into the wilderness. Short on provisions, Helm and his remaining party killed their horses, ate the meat, and made snowshoes out of the hides. There you go. Yeah. I mean, mean, is that that better? Is, is, Is that better? I mean... I don't know if that's yeah. better. So the journey was arduous. Uh, <laughs> winning the party down to two men. You think it's better? Oh, it's way better. I don't know. Still, man, my stomach. Anyway, uh, it, his party got down to two men. Helm and a man named Burton. When Burton could go no further, Helm left him only to return in time to hear the pistol shot of Burton taking his own life. Because you know he was going to get eaten. Yeah, yeah. Helm ate one of Burton's legs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And wrapped the other to take with him on his journey. Some <laughs> to go bag? Yeah. Gotta, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Can I get a box with this leg, please? Oh, God. Someone finally discovered Helm at an Indian camp and allowed Helm to accompany him. Despite having over $1,400 in coins on his person, Helm reportedly neither paid nor thanked this person for feeding clothing and transporting him to Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> Boone became wanted by the law and fled to San Francisco, California. While in California, Helm killed a rancher who had befriended him and taken him in, sheltering him from the vengeance of the law. Helm then traveled to Oregon and resumed robbing people for a living, uh, frequently murdering them. In 1862, after heavy drinking, Helm gunned down an unarmed man named Dutch Fred. See another name? Dutch. Dutch Fred. Dutch Fred. Right said Dutch Fred. (laughs) In a saloon, Annie fled. While on the run, Helm... (laughs) (laughs) Annie fled. Dutch Fred, Annie fled. While on the run, Helm ate another fugitive who had been accompanying, accompanying him, 
Captured by the authorities, Helm implored his brother, Old Tex, one of Helm's 12 siblings, for assistance. With a considerable amount of money, Old Tex paid off all the witnesses. Unable to convict Helm without witnesses, the authorities released him, and he accompanied his brother to Texas. Helm soon reappeared at many of the settlements mentioned before, killing many more men in the process. Finally, Helm was apprehended in Montana. <laughs> After teaming up with the notorious Henry Plummer and his gang, Helm and four other gang members were captured, arrested, and tried in secret. At trial, Helm kissed the Bible and then proceeded to perjure himself, accusing three-fingered Jack Gallagher... <laughs> That is a fucking hardcore name right there. <laughs> Which is Helm's close friend and fellow gang member of crimes Helm himself had committed. So he's blaming this three-fingered dude. Yeah. You guys looking over like, I only have three fingers. How did I do that? <laughs> the Montana vigilantes hanged Helm, Gallagher, and other members of the gang in Virginia City, Montana on January 14, 1864 in front of a rumored crowd of 6,000. Upon seeing his friend Gallagher hang, Helm reportedly remarked, quote, 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 Kick away, old fellow. My turn next. I'll be in hell with you in a minute. That's pretty badass. That's a that's a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. When the executioner approached Helm, he allegedly exclaimed, quote, Every man for his principles. Hurrah for Jeff Davis. Let her rip. And then jumped off the hangman's box before it could be kicked away. Wow. So he actually, he just hung himself. Yeah. He's like, fuck it. He's like, this is how I roll. What's that mustache? You need to take a team cut? We'll be right back after this message. Well, it's time to return back to the show. I'm glad you stayed and didn't leave. So we are talking about fucking cannibalism, and hopefully you guys haven't uh, turned it off and just said fuck it because your stomach's wanting to fucking jump out of itself. Should be eating a sandwich right now while you're listening. Uh, A pork sandwich. Yeah, with lots of ham. Yeah, fat. I did make. I got. I got a rack of ribs in the in the fridge that I made last night. There you go. Your neighbor's ribs. You betcha. <laughs> so speaking of cannibalism, as we're talking about here, let's talk about a uh, pretty popular one here. Uh, we're talking about the Donner Party. So the Donner Party departed Springfield in April 1846, according to author Michael Wallace, who wrote "The Best Land Under Heaven: The Donner Party in the Age of Manifest Destiny." Uh, it it had nary been, nary, that's a fucking old school word, nary been a year since the term Manifest Destiny was coined by John L. O'Sullivan of the New York Post. Manifest Destiny. I'm John L. O'Sullivan, and I coined Manifest Destiny. <laughs> Anglo-Americans sincerely believed that there were gods, that they were God's chosen people, and that it was their God-given right to expand across the continent fucking white people. It's my God-given right to take any chunk of land that I seem fit. That's right. You see that? That's mine. You get in my way, there's gonna be a war. Everything the light sees <laughs> is ours. Sorry. That was Simba. Mufasa. Mufasa, right? That was yeah. Mufasa. Yeah. So anyway, the indigenous peoples be damned so they didn't give a fuck about anybody, right? Of course. So according to National Geographic, President James Polk even concocted a baseless war against Mexico in order to conduct a land grab. Of course he did. Sorry, Davey. Yeah. (laughs) So the storyline was there are no people out there anyway, so let's take this land. Of course, there were a lot of people out there, like the Mexicans and tens, if not thousands, of, of They ain't of one of us. Yeah, that's right. So there's none. Um, 
So what we did was gobble up nations, says Wallace. While this general sense of superiority at the time was misguided, one aspect of this continent-wide expansion was perfectly clear. Immigrants traveling the California Trail absolutely needed to head west at the right time in the season in order to survive. Right? Amen to that. All right. I mean, you guys have all played Oregon Trail, right? Yeah. I, I never have, but everyone told me about it. So. Hysteria will get you. Yeah, that's what I hear. Um, the Donner Party unfortunately opted for an enticing new route named after an unscrupulous guidebook author named Lansford Hastings. So according to history, the opportune moment was in late spring so that grass for their uh, pack animals was available and so that there was enough time to cross the challenging mountain passes before winter arrived. Okay. Seems, seems, it seems smart. Seems Good smart. Plan. Makes makes sense. All right, let's go, team. Yeah. This was the first, arguably biggest failure of the Donner Party. Oh. They left Independence, Missouri on May 12th, when the right time to do so was mid to late April. So they're a little bit late on that. A little late. A little late. Yeah. They were the last major pioneer train of the year, and with such a substantial delay, any miscalculation en route could have dire consequences. Now, do you think he was just waiting for his wife to get ready? Is that what took him? <laughs> You know what I mean? He's like, no, we really have to go. Like, we've got to go. And she's like, look, just give me five more minutes. Hold on, I'm curling my hair. <laughs> Quote, I am beginning to feel alarmed at the tardiness of our movements. <laughs> One immigrant wrote, and fearful that winter will find us in the snowy mountains of California. Unfortunately, they couldn't have been more warranted in their concerns. The traditional route, 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 whatever, route. To, the route to California had pioneers travel north through Idaho, once arriving in Wyoming, and then swoop south to move through Nevada. Unfortunately for the Donner Party, a dishonest and unscrupulous guidebook author named Lansford Hastings had proffered a more direct and supposedly faster path in 1846. The Hastings Cutoff proposed cutting through the Wasatch Mountains and then across the Salt Lake Desert. In a risky, irrevocable decision, the Donner Party opted for this unproven route. Oh, boy. Even though not a single soul had ever traveled through it with wagons. So, I just picture, like, the stagecoaches going, you know, you hear the horses and the wheels turn in, and everybody's kind of in the back, and there's two guys up front, you know, guiding the horses. <laughs> so I got a, I got a little secret from Hastings <laughs> Trail, if you want to take it, not tell the others. It'll shave off five days of our journey. To me, you know, what it does, it just it kind of solidifies that whole adage that, okay, A, women take forever to get ready, which yep. seems why they were late, and B, men don't ask for directions. Yeah, there's no gas stations <laughs> back then. You know what I mean? They just fucking go off on their well, own. Just, the, the problem is they asked for directions and they got fucking lost. Uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, that, maybe that's, that's exactly that's, we, we blame we the Donner party. Yeah. <laughs> Next time we, I get lost. For directions. <laughs> we don't ask for directions so we don't have to eat our friends. Right. Next time I get lost and my wife's like, why don't you ask for directions or look up Google? Listen, Donner Party, all right? Yeah, that's all you right? gotta say. That's it, Donner Party. Yeah. So not even Hastings himself had taken this, this path, all right? So he wrote about it, but never even took it. James Kleiman, an accomplished mountain man, was the only experienced member of the party who strongly advised against this, okay? So this dude, <laughs> the only person who knew what the fuck he was talking about was saying, don't do this. Nonetheless, all 20 wagons decided to give it a chance and gamble on the shortcut. It would be the worst, deadliest decision they ever made. Much of the supposed trail didn't even fucking exist. Oops. Yeah. The party was forced to cut down trees in order to make way for some of the journey. During the five-day crossing of the Salt Desert, the party nearly died of thirst. This supposed cutoff wasn't merely ineffective, but detrimental and added nearly a month to the Donner Party's expedition. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're trying to shit. They're trying to shave off time, and this is like, well, there goes another month. Yeah. Like that. God. 
Well, well most... imagine having to saw a tree back then. Oh, like yeah. There's a tree in the way yeah. you can't get the wagons. I mean, fuck, that's yeah. where they had the saw and the two guys on each side. Yeah, <laughs> the big long ones that's or like whatever. all fucking day yeah. to make one cut. And then when it falls, you got to move it and all this yeah. other shit. Yeah. Well, most of the party did reach the Sierra Nevada mountains. By early November, a blizzard covered them in snow and mountain passes that were accessible just a day earlier were now completely obstructed. Oh, boy. As a result, the Donner Party was forced to turn back. They set up camp at Truckee Lake, which has since been renamed Donner Lake. Oh, boy. And hoped their makeshift cabins and flimsy tents would suffice to last the whole winter. Oh, God. <laughs> By this point, a lot of the food, supplies, and livestock had been lost on the trail. The first few members of the Donner Party starved to death soon after. Most of the Donner Party consisted of children and adolescents. More than half of the 81 people, 81 people, trapped at Truckee Lake were underage, and six of them were infants. Most of the survivors were comprised of children as well, including one-year-old Isabella Breen, who died when she was 90 after this. She made it out. God, could you imagine yeah. having to live the rest of your life with that shit yeah. that went on? So after over a month at Truckee Lake, 15 of the fittest members decided to risk everything in a last-ditch effort to go get help. On December 16, 1846, they fitted their feet with makeshift snowshoes and walked out of the mountains. They walked the frozen tundra-esque environment for days to no avail. The men were starving, exhausted, and nearly utter, or nearing utter collapse. Everything seemed lost. Truckee Lake has since been renamed Donner Lake, like we said earlier. And since here, uh, or seen here, uh, no, it's got a picture in here. Uh, this is Donner yeah, there was a picture. There's a picture of the Donner Pass uh, photographed during the King surveys in the 1870s. So this is right after. So yeah. the time had come to, uh, to face facts and confront their last remaining choice. Sacrifice someone and eat their flesh to survive or freeze and starve to death. While the bastard of desperate pioneers discussed drawing straws or having two of them fight to the death. Nice. <laughs> several members died naturally. This made everything much easier, relatively speaking, of course. The surviving members of the, the Donner Party offshoot were now able to cook and eat the deceased without adding a hefty sense of guilt to their already exhausting endeavor. <laughs> Re-energized and uh, firmly removed from physical collapse, seven of the 15 members arrived at a ranch in California after a grueling month of walking. Once arrived, they informed the locals, sought help, and orchestrated the rescue efforts that would ha uh, help save anyone still alive at Truckee Lake. Um, the first of four rescue relief efforts began at this time. All right, so this is just this is just the the party that went out away from the actual um, 81 yeah. people. So these yeah. are the guys that went out to look for right. help. The 15 guys. Right, right. and they just said, fuck it, and... God. So, the incredible hike across the frozen wilderness was later dubbed the forlorn, forlorn hike. For fucking lorn. Forlorn hike by historians. So, it's important to note that as far as evidence and provable accounts go, there were only two people who were murdered for food. All other incidents saw people cannibalize the bodies of those who had already died. All right. So, they did kill two fucking people in order to eat them. In I'm court, sure they deserve it. Do you right, think they play course. Duck Duck Goose? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Doc Doc <laughs> Doc Rock paper scissors No you know what it was Goose It was some guy It was some guy that's like I'm thinking of a number If you pick it You die Right and he just waited <laughs> till the guy that he didn't like Picked that number He was like oh, You're dead Sorry <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, You pick 15 Yeah you're fucking dead Hopefully they <laughs> murdered and killed the one Who said to take this fucking route You know yeah, He, right. he should have been the first one to go so in correspondence, journals, and later interviews, they freely admit, admitted that when everything else was gone, they turned to cannibalism, said Wallace. They were suff suffering hypothermia and starvation. They were delirious. But they knew that out in the snowbanks was this great store of protein 
people who had already died. They had carefully placed them in the snowbanks, and that's what it came down to. Jesus. Of course, for the two Native Americans who were killed for their flesh, this bit of information presumably isn't as, um, as, as, as what the fuck word is that? Assuaging. Assuaging. What the fuck? Anyway, isn't assuaging in the slightest. So they killed two Native Americans during this whole thing, too. Again, they didn't give a fuck about indigenous people, so why not eat yeah, them, right? It was just their luck that Salvador and Lewis had joined the Donner Party shortly before the blizzard trapped them and forced their retreat to Truckee Lake. They were the only two people who flatly refused to eat human flesh. It disturbed them so heavily that they eventually ran away, terrified they'd be sacrificed once the, quote, store of protein was depleted. <laughs> Fuck. Wow. To their credit, they were right. The two men were found a few days after their escape, lying in the snow and suffering from exhaustion. Donner Party member William Foster shot them both in the head, after which they were chopped up, cooked, and consumed by the others. Besides a few... Mm. Yeah. Besides a few terrifying accounts which have never been substantiated in court or led to any criminal charges, this was the only incident of murder for food during this dreadful, months-long ordeal. The other incidents, speculative as they may be, are certainly worth exploring, if only for their ghastly, disconcerting plausibility. Jesus. Do you think the, the survivors went to Hastings' fucking house and they're like, and he opens the door and they're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least just punch him right in his fucking yeah. face, yeah. you know? You didn't even take the rot, you dick! Yeah. So the rescue process took more than two months, bringing the Donner Party's total of being trapped in the mountains to five months. Five months, and they weren't prepared at all. I can't believe they couldn't find any, like, deer or coyotes or anything, you know what I, I mean? mean? I mean, you're in the middle of the freaking, like, snow and but shit. But there's still animals I mean, in the yeah, snow. Just I mean, not the deer's still out. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe they just said... Maybe they're shitty hunters. Maybe they found deer and just kept missing. <laughs> the first relief parties arrived in February 1846, by which point many survivors were too weak to travel. Many died while attempting to de uh, descend the mountains. In total, four relief teams and over two months were required to bring all surviving members down. All right, so let me ask you guys a question. One by one. Moody. Yeah. Do you think, with the knowledge you have and the experiences you've had to this point, if you were stranded... In the middle of fucking nowhere with no cell phone, nothing in sight. Do you think you could survive? How long, uh, how long do you a, think you could? Probably for a little while. I don't know how long. I guess it would depend on where and, you know, it would depend on where and like what. I think I'd be okay for a little while. I don't know how long I'd last, but I think I'd be okay. Okay, John. For, for, okay, so you're in, you're in the middle of nowhere and you have nothing? There, there's no way to get out. There's no connection to the world but you have no you don't have a gun you don't have anything like that nothing you have your, your clothes and that's it i always carry up my knife with me on my side Is that, that doesn't count that no. doesn't count no long long tooth uh what's his name took it away <laughs> long tooth johnson <laughs> johnson long toes johnson long toes johnson um okay, so without anything like that yeah no you don't think so no see i could no i'd be that little bitch crying in the corner see well, I've been yeah. camping I think since I'd I was. Be okay for a while. I yeah, think I'd be okay for a little while. I mean, I was in Boy Scouts when I was little. I was, I've been camping since I was little. Like, I know how to survive. I know how to make like a makeshift fishing rod and be able to catch fish. Like, I know how to do yeah. all that stuff. Just, you know, just for dumb, dumb knowledge to have in the back of your head. But I think I would be okay. Now, could I survive a long time? Probably not. But I think I could go at least a month, maybe more. I was gonna say, I, I feel like. I feel like depending on where I was, I could probably survive long enough to at least be found. 
Yes, I'll you know agree I mean? to that. That's what I think. Not I think me, I man. I'd be dead. No. I'd just be <laughs> just, done and over. Just yeah. give up. <laughs> I'd just give up. Like It'd be like 24 hours later. Yeah. And I'd be just like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> it's, it's not hard to make shelter. I mean, but see, my, especially if you're in a forest. It, it, you know what would depend on the, the season? Right. That would be the crucial yeah, factor of the whole thing. But I'm also the guy who can get lost in the metro parks. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. either way, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very, you know, I'm not freaking uh, the wilderness man over here in any way, yeah. shape or form. I'm know. not saying that I am too, but I, I have enough knowledge and I think experience over the years that I, I, I could, like Moody said, I think I could last. So I was either found or found somebody. Could I phone a friend while I was out there? No, Longtooth Johnson took your shit. Damn it. What a bastard. <laughs> so the very last member to be saved was a German immigrant named Louis Kessenberg found in April, 1847. He was reportedly discovered half crazy and surrounded by half eaten bodies of his peers. Oh, that wouldn't make you crazy. Come on. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. <laughs> He's sitting it's around. Blah, 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 blah. So Kassenberg was made into the master villain of this whole tragedy, and he didn't help his own cause, said Wallace. He and his wife, Philippine, came from Germany. He was a son of a uh, Lutheran clergyman, and they decided to join this vanguard moving west. He was a sharp-tempered fellow who was sometimes abusive to his young pregnant wife. He was also accused of plundering Indian burial sites. When the fourth rescue party reached him in April 1847, he was the only survivor. Quote, he was reportedly found with a cauldron of cooked flesh and discarded bones. There were even rumors from some of the surviving children that he had taken one lad to bed with him to comfort him. And the next morning, the boy was dead, hung up on the wall of the cabin like a slab of meat and later eaten. Wow. God damn the journalists of the day feasted on all of this, of course. Sensationalized stories often filled with outright lies. Uh, Kessenberg, the human cannibal, as he was dubbed, it was said he actually relished the taste of human flesh and, and that when rescuers offered him alternate pro alternative protein, he refused it, saying, quote, oh no, I like this better. Yeah, once you once you get hooked, man. Is that what it is? You get yeah. that taste of human flesh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you just like it. It's like a vampire. Well, they say a lot of wild animals will do that, right? They'll get a t taste for like, you know, wolves will taste human flesh or something yeah. like that. And then they go after him or whatever. Sharks. Um, but, uh, what was that uh, one movie with um, with the lions over in Africa? And it was based on a true story with Val Kilmer. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's uh, something in the, it's from the 90s. In the darkness. Ghost yes, in the Darkness. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is based on a true story yeah. where these well, lions got the taste of human flesh and they started eating everybody. The Grey with Liam Neeson. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, with the alpha packs and all that. Yeah, I actually watched that on a, an airplane. That wasn't a good idea. Side note, you know, we were talking about stickers earlier in the back of cars. Yeah. Best one I've ever seen. Someone had a Nissan and they put Liam above it. <laughs> Liam Nissan. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. So many of those stories are suspect as it goes on. So though, um, so though I don't think Kessenberg is someone to champion, I do believe he got a fairly raw deal. <laughs> no pun intended. Raw, <laughs> raw deal. Uh, that was a good one. So there are plenty other more uh, substantiated and equally harrowing incidents uh, during rescue relief efforts, namely the story of Margaret Reed and the heartbreaking decision she had to make concerning her children. In journalist Ethan Rarick's desperate passage, The Donner Party's Perilous Journey West, the name of the book, book titles were so long back then. I can't believe there's not a movie about this. Like I'm, a, I'm sure there was. There's probably a shit movie. There's, there's, yeah. there's plenty of them. There's yeah. a couple of them. But I mean like a famous, like good movie with famous people and good director and all that you know what I yeah mean? i don't think there's anything like that should we do that should we remake or make the donner party movie Re remake the donner party yeah, I'm down with 
So uh, in his book, the writer used both diaries and archaeological evidence to garner invaluable insight into the tragedy, with the Reed account convincing him the project was worth his time. Quote, One thing that led me to write the book is the, the moment when Margaret Reed is walking out with her four children with the first rescue party, he told U.S. News. Quote, It becomes clear that Patty and Tommy, ages 8 and 3, will not be able to keep going. They're going to have to be sent back. The 28th page of uh, Donner Party... Um, uh, member Patrick Breen recording his observations in February 1847. So this is from his diary. It reads, Mrs. Murphy said here yesterday that she thought she would commence on Milt and eat him. I don't think that she has done so yet. It is distressing. End quote. So these, I mean, this is coming from diaries of people that are actually there. Yeah. Quote, the idea that another rescue party would get in before they would starve to death is pretty unlikely, which means they're probably going to die. She has to determine... Is she going to send back two of her children and try to go on? Is she going to go with them? Quote, it's like Sophie's choice, and she finally is convinced that she should go ahead with her two older children. As they say goodbye, Patty looks at her mother and says, Well, Ma, if you never see me again, just do the best you can. Fuck. I mean, that sucks, dude. Like, I mean, come on. There's there's no, like, river nearby. There's no, I mean. But you're, you're everything's depleted. Uh, who knows if this was actually like in the the, the midst of the, the harsh winter there. There could be like, you know, hardly anything to go. And then you have to give up your kids and or eat them. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean. <laughs> for an event so well known for its cannibalism, it's remarkable how little is known about it for sure. However, it's not surprising that survivors would either remain tight lipped <laughs> Or outright lie about it later. And evidence, as it were, doesn't fare well amid 12 feet of snow. Either way, the first-hand accounts from survivors are largely a mess of contradictions and retractions. Okay, that answers a lot of questions. 12 feet of snow is a fucking lot. That's a lot of snow. Yeah. Like, I'm six yep. foot, so that's two of me. Your fucking wagon's, me were, high. Your wagon's covered, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, you're, were in the, they were in the middle of the mountains, man. Like that's, They were like at the top in the middle okay. of a fucking mountain. Like, that makes a huge... That, that answers the huge question of why they just couldn't go get food. Yeah, I get that it. would I explain it. it. Yeah. I get it now. Uh, the firsthand accounts of rescuers and witnesses, however, along with the informed uh, with the informed researched opinions of journalists and historians after the fact, confidently state that as many as 21 people were eaten. Yum, yum, yum. <sighs> For Wallace, the ghoulish aspect of cannibalism has greatly overshadowed the bravery and resilience inherent in the accounts of the Donner Party survivors. Quote, eating human flesh was a total last resort, he said. People say, oh, those cannibals, how could they do that? I turn around and say, what would you do if you are a mother watching your children starve and freeze to death? You've already eaten the horses and oxen and boiled their hides into a horrible gelatinous concoction. Ugh. You've eaten field mice and finally cut the throats of your beloved family dogs and eaten them, paws and all. Aww. But you know that there's protein that will keep you alive in those snowbanks. It didn't really scar the children because they were told to eat it and they knew it kept them alive. Some of them never, ever spoke of it again. Some denied it, but not that many. What's that mustache? You need to take a tinkle. We'll be right back after this message. Well, it's time to return back to the show. I'm glad you stayed and didn't leave. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our new segment, WTF, or as I like to say, what the f***? Okay, 
So we're going to do something a little fun this time, this week. Oh, boy. A little different. Oh, boy. We're going to have a contest for the listeners. Oh, boy. So this is an old, I don't know if you would call it a meme, or it's a YouTube video by a guy named, I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Ed Bassmaster. Um, is, is that the psh guy? Maybe. I haven't really looked at a lot of his videos. Okay. It's just, just one that really stands out to me. I think it's fucking amazing. Okay. Anyways, he basically, you know how you come across people that say the same thing all the time, no matter what the situation is. They have like one phrase or wording. Yeah. Okay. So this guy, he's making fun of somebody that says, look at this. So it's it's a guy that like... Oh, is this the guy looking at the car? Yes. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the challenge is, the contest is, I want the listeners, we're going to play his clip, okay? And then you'll get the idea of it. But I want the listeners to go out into the real world, okay? <laughs> oh, boy. And with your phone, record yourself doing something similar to this. It could be the same phrase as this, or it could be a phrase that you have. And you can hold your phone by your hip. I don't need the video. I just want the audio. So you can be discreet about it and pull it off. Okay. Now you could go to a gas station and talk to like the gas station attendant. You could be ordering food. I don't care where it is. I just want the listeners to do it. Okay. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to submit them. Either. I think we'll, we'll have him submit on Facebook since you could do video there. Sure. Okay. We'll do that. The funniest one or the one we like the most out of the three of us, we're, we're going to vote on it. I'm going to personally buy you any shirt of your choosing from our store. Oh, shit. And send it to you. You get a free for shirt. Free. You get to pick whichever one you want on the store. I'm going to buy it and send it to you. So whoever wins this is going to be okay. getting a free t-shirt of their choice. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So I now, like that. Just to show you what we're what this what this is, okay? I want to play this. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, here we go. Oh, look at this. <laughs> what are you wiping the windows? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Look at that. That's nice and shiny. Well, it's a 78. Yeah, it's looking good. Looks really good. Yeah, it's got original things. By the way, to set this yeah. up, he found a guy in Craigslist selling a car. So right. he's going to look at the car. Every day right. of its life. Oh, go figure. Look at this. Oh, look at this. Got it for 700 bucks. It's real clean. It can work on it. It's whatever. The things are not packed real Right, right, together. right. There's still a lot of room to work on. <laughs> So, with yeah. that consideration, right. you know, I'll go. You still do it. Part that seven. <laughs> look at this. Look at that. Yeah, sure. yeah. Look at this. <laughs> you know, when I see a car like this, first thing I do is I say, Would you look at this? You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Oh, would you look at this? <laughs> yeah, well. Would you look at that? Yeah, there's a few more blemishes on the car. The oh, car, my gosh. Just car, look at the it. The car is not perfect. Just look <laughs> at it. Just look at it. Yeah, well. What the heck is that? <laughs> Oh, look at this. You got me running all around the car. <laughs> yeah, the only thing. Oh, would you look at that? Put that just on. look at that. I can't pull it out either. I'd have to drill it. Why don't you just look at it? Yeah, it's that. It's the only mark. I mean, on the just car. look at it. Yeah. I mean, just get a look at that. A cop did that. A cop. Oh, where is he? I'd like to look at him. Yeah, <laughs> went, over, went over and tried to find him. Yeah. <laughs> we're not required to post warnings here in New Jersey. Oh, would you look at that? It's Listen, I got pulled state. over in Jersey twice for not wearing a seatbelt in the passenger oh, seat. Yeah. In the passenger oh, seat. Really? And got a $40 oh, ticket. Yeah, I right. said, well, would see, you look at that? <laughs> would you look at that? Would you look at it? I was so mad. Basically, they got to earn their money the old-fashioned yeah. way. Whenever a cop writes you out a ticket, the first thing you do is you take the ticket and you say, would you look at this? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, if I'd have done that, the cop did it and I wasn't there that night. 
Yeah. Uh, you should have said, look at this, and that would have probably got you off if you told them to look well, at it. Here's this. the thing. Yeah. I What's, went over there yeah. the first no, time. No, to look fight at this. It. Yeah, you got to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. Right, right. Because he had to look at it first. He didn't show up. Yeah, because he had to look time. at it. Because you know he had to look at this. You know what the judge did? He probably told you to look at it. He probably had to look at it and say, look at this. And I asked him the second time. I went and then he yeah. See, I figured I was just going to get off. And, and then he said, look at it, right. Me. And he and said, I look said, at this. And I asked the, mm -hmm. I asked the cop, where yeah. were you the last time? He said, the last time you said, look at this. <laughs> my guess is. He probably did that. Oh, would you look at this? Oh, would you look at that? Look at that. What an idiot. Would you look at this? Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. I'd have to I'd have to drill it out. I've tried getting under here. Oh, <laughs> uh, would you look at that? You got Pulled under? Wheel, yeah, look at that. I love the dude's just talking over him the whole time. Look at that. Yeah, look see, at this. And if you tell that to the cops, they're not going to give you any consideration. Oh, look at this. I, you got to look at it this way, okay? You just got to look at it. That's all you can do anymore. <laughs> Fucking gold, man. <laughs> Amazing. So everybody knows somebody that does that with a phrase. So you could you could go to, like, I don't know, a grocery store and, like, pull one of the clerks away and just and, and say deer. You know, like, call him deer. You know, like, hey, deer. Do you know where the, the bananas are, dear? I would love to find the bananas, dear. I'm just out of bananas, and I dearly need some bananas, dear. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So that's what I want you guys to do. You all can right. do your own phrase. You could use this guy's phrase. Challenge for all of our listeners out there. That actually sounds super fun. You want a t-shirt. You guys can even go it. into Walmart and perhaps see Rob, who oh. is uh, you know our uh, a new listener who actually left us a review recently. And we actually have a story that he sent over to us that we're going to be playing on next week's episode because this one was a long episode. In fact, this episode's so long on cannibalism that we're going to be doing a bonus episode with more cannibals and cannibalistic stories. And just, so if you're still hungry, if you're, yeah, oh, if you're still hungry for some man meat, <laughs> there's, oh, yeah. there's more servings on the bonus episode. Right. Make sure you sign up over at Patreon and uh, we're going to be doing an episode that's going to be dropping hopefully here soon, along with the, uh, the dime bag uh, episode for um, the day the music died. So, passengers, we hope you enjoyed your ride with us on cannibalism for this week. It was um, tasty. Oh, it was a tasty treat. My stomach's still a little bit queasy about it. And now we're going to do the bonus episode, and it's going to be even worse because we're going to get into stories like Albert Fish and Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh -oh. Yeah, it's going to get ugly. Uh -oh. It's going to get pretty ugly. So make sure you guys get over to the Patreon and do that. Also, make sure you guys are giving us ideas for, uh, you know, we're coming up here in the uh, these, uh, you know, Halloween times that uh, we want some dark ass episodes. So we already have ideas that we're going to do. But maybe you guys got something you want to hear us talk about. So you guys can do that. You can always do that over at uh, our Facebook page or at the Midnight Train Podcast.com. You can always click on the, you pick the episode too. There's some episodes up there you guys can choose if you want or give us your own idea. You know yeah. what I mean? Because we love hearing what you guys want to see. Also at our website, you guys can buy some super sweet merchandise. We're going to have some new shirts coming up soon. I'm actually working on those as we speak. Could that be one of the winner's picks? It's very possible. Ooh, yeah. you could get the newest Midnight Train shirt that yeah. nobody else has for free. <laughs> for free? All you got to do is just go up to somebody. Would you look at this? Would you look at that? <laughs> Would you look at this? Would you look at this? Videotape it. It doesn't have to be long. Right. I'll say it has to be at least a minute. A minute Ooh. minimum. Because ah. you really got to hook them in. And that's a challenge right there. You know, that's what we want. We want the reaction of the person that's like, what the fuck is this yeah. person saying? You know that's what I mean? That's amazing. Just don't get punched in the face. Yeah. yeah. You'll be all right. Or do... <laughs> maybe you'll win i don't know i don't know how that works but over if you guys do happen to buy some uh merchandise over there at our uh our official website the midnight train podcast.com uh just remember that 10 percent of every sale 
goes to the National Association on Mental Illness. Uh, if you or someone you know is struggling with any mental health issues, call the NAMI helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Uh, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or in a crisis, text NAMI. That's N as in, you know, NAMI, National Suicide. Yeah, AMI, NAMI to 741741 because mental health is no joke. And um, yeah, it's, you know, of course, I, I, if it's, it's a fucked up time out here right now. So if you guys are doing that and listeners keep asking how they can keep putting steam in our engines, well, you know, you guys like what you hear from us, consider being a producer of the show by heading over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or just go to patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast. Unfortunately, we are adults and we talk about adult shit. So um, since it's rated 18 over, um, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, whatever. So, you know, you can't really find us on there. So for as little as five bucks a month. In fact, we're talking about adding a dollar tier just so people can just help out. Uh, you can get all kinds of really cool shit, like, you know, custom shirt, custom poster, custom sticker, bonus episodes like the Day the Music Died series, uh, or the one we're going to be doing here on more cannibals and cannibalistic gross shit. So if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan and you want to help produce this motherfucker, our Patreon is for you. For those of you that would rather leave us a one-time donation, you can head over to PayPal and use the email address, the Midnight Train Podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can easily... Like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform, and most importantly, share the Midnight Train to everyone. It takes only a couple of minutes, and word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes. We cannot thank you enough for all the love and support that we have received, and that you guys give us every day, especially on social media and stuff. You guys are awesome. You guys really do keep the train moving. So thank you guys all so much for listening, and... So we do have a big shout out that I like to do at the end of every episode here. And uh, uh, Moody's not in the studio right now. Moody, you still there? I am here. I'm right here, buddy. All right. Um, so you're going to have to, with your mouth, and you're only in one side right now, you got to give me a, a, a drum roll. Are you ready? <laughs> not a lawnmower. <laughs> Were you, were you starting a, a pull-star ah, lawnmower? It was, it was digga, digga, digga. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll take that one. So a big shout-out. That's as good as it fucking That's fine. Nice, nice. To Tess, Heidi, Kevin, Matt, Diana, Christopher, Jacqueline, Katie, Michaela, Ramsey, Tamar, Tommy Speakerbox, the Sister Skeleton. Make sure you are checking out the Sister Skeleton podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Riley, Diane, Alina, Stephanie, Julie, Laura, Cynthia, Kirsten, Dawn, Nicola, Caitlin, Chanel, Alex, Emily, Son of Vasco, Alicia, Frandapai, Danny, Melissa, Grace, Stormy, Eva, Melissa, Wayne, Victoria, Hager, Sean, Chainsaw. Wow. Jigsaw, Bill, Son, Colin, David V, uh, which is David Vallo, Juan, Belen, Ken and Brad over at Voodoo Vodka, Chef Kevin, Katie, Davey, our Mexican Vato. Hey, hey. <laughs> and a special a huge thank you to our superhero Patreon producers, Chad Flint, Cheryl Pierce, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from Fun, the Funbox Punk p- fucking shit. <laughs> Rob Webb from the Funbox podcast, which by the way, we still have to get that set up. Christina Skelton, Jessica Bartolome, Bill Birch, and Samantha Pickworth. If you want your name to be mentioned on the show, sign up as a member on our website or become a Patreon producer. All right. People are fucking heroes, man. They are heroes. heroes. They are absolute heroes. And you have our 
unwavering. We will not eat you in the case of a crisis. So real quick, I might. I might. Moody might. Before we before we close out here, I have a special boxcar song I'm going to play. Okay. And I know we already did time travel, mm-hmm. but we're going to time travel back to the Junko days. Oh, jeez. Adidas. Oh, God. Suit. So stay so, tuned for that. Make yeah. sure you, uh, Patreon listeners, you will be getting a bonus episode that we're going to be doing the the day the music died with Dimebag Daryl. And then we are also going to be continuing on with the cannibalism episode in uh, the bonus Patreon stuff. So make sure you guys are over there. Good. That bonus episode is going to contain one of my favorite uh, cannibalistic people. And uh, he is, he is, he is uh, part of a movie. He is based, there's a movie based on him made by the guys who do South Park, which is amazing. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cannibal the Musical, right? Yep, absolutely. All right, so make sure you passengers are listening to the bonus episodes. And again, thank you so much for listening. Even if you don't, if you're not a bonus, you know, Patreon guy, thank you for listening to, uh, or girl, sorry. I don't want to sound sexist there. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and stay safe out there, passengers. And as always, choo choo, motherfuckers. Choo choo, motherfuckers.